gather here together this morning to, to not only worship in a way that we can only worship when we're together. There's a, there's a corporate anointing here this morning. You can't get this kind of anointing outside of this environment. When I say this environment, I don't mean this building. I don't mean just specifically to this people. But this corporate anointing is only here when the corporate body of believers come together. And in that corporate anointing, there's an anointing to heal. There's an anointing to encourage. There's an anointing to impart. There is an anointing to receive everything that God has for us. You can't, you can't get all of that. You li, 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 uh, How can I say it? How can I say it, Lord? Oh, listen to me. You can't get everything you need to get from God by yourself. When Jesus sent the disciples out, He sent them out two by two. When God said to Peter, when Jesus looked at Peter, He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the what? The church. There are things that you and I are only going to be able to partake of, only going to be able to participate in, and only going to be able to receive when we stand together as the body of Christ, as the church unified, because that's what God intended. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we stand here together, in saturated in this corporate anointing, and we say we want to receive everything you have for us this morning. We want to impart everything that you would have us to impart this morning. We stand together and we believe that we receive every ounce, every drop of every word, every anointing, everything that you want to impart to us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Sing it, Langston. Everything. I want everything. Yes. I want everything that you have for me. Yes. And I say thank you. Tell him thank you. Yes. I said thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I said thank you, Lord, for everything. For my healing. For my joy. You heal me, Lord. You heal me, Lord. You heal me, Lord. So I thank you. I said I thank you. I said I thank you. Yes. I come boldly. And I say I thank you. Lord, I love you. Come on. I love you, love you. Yes. You're a good, good father. I said I love you. I said I love you. I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that got my name on it. I want everything. I want your blessing. I want your power. I want your glory. I 
want to see your face. I want everything because I'm yours. Take me to the quiet place where you are. Oh, you are calling me into that holy place. I want to see you where you are. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody thank him this morning. He is here and he's worthy. Oh, he's worthy. Let the people of God, let the people of God say so. Let the people of God, let the people of God say so. Jesus. Bill and I have been saying for a long time, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. And we've watched it happen in our life. <clears throat> and God has brought different books into our life and to begin to speak. He told Ezekiel, he, he asked him a question. He said, can these dry bones live? Can they live? What do you tell them to do? Speak to them. He Prophesy said, to speak to them. Speak. First he asked him a question. But then he said, speak to these dry bones. And that's what he's been telling us to begin to speak to these things in our life. Because as long as we're just thinking them, nothing's happening. We're not planting seeds. Our words are seeds. Yes. We're made in his image. God spoke. He didn't think. He yes. spoke. He spoke. Let it be. So he, he's been really speaking to us about speaking things into existence. Speak those things as though they were. The things that are not, speak them yes. as though they already were. What is faith? What is faith? Believing those things be, 
until it happens. And I just got a few things I want to read out of this book. This book is by Joel Osteen, and I know you all have heard him. And he's positive, and that's what he does. He speaks. He speaks the word of God. Are we not faith people? That's right. Guess who brought this book to us? Jerome. (laughs) And, And Bill's teaching the guys on Monday night out of this book. And I picked it up, and I... I told him this morning, I said, you're taking my book? But it, it's, just, it's just been as food to me. I, we've already known the power of our words. But he's really, he's really saying, begin to do it in every aspect of your life, everything that you need. Have you got a wayward child? Do you? Then begin to speak. Come home. Yes. You do not belong in that darkness. Come home. Come into the kingdom where you belong. Yes. I have claimed you for the kingdom. Come home. You know what? The enemy is running, seeking whom he may devour. We've got to get violent, y'all, in our faith. That's right. It can't be no mansy pansy faith any longer. We've got to get up and be warriors. Because he's stealing from us. Let's begin to take back through the word, our words and say what his word says over our life and over our family, over our finances. Everything that concerns us, we need to begin to speak and say, no more, devil. You're not stealing anymore. You're not taking any more ground. This is my sphere. You're not coming in here. I'm not scared of you. You have no power over me. That's right. The blood of Jesus takes care of you. A long, he took care of you a long time ago. You're just a, like a roaring lion. You cannot defeat me. You're already defeated. And when we begin to believe those things, our, our circumstances in our life will change. When we begin to believe and begin to speak, you know, that, that makes the enemy run. He said, when you recognize him, he has to flee. He has to. He has no choice. You know, I, uh, I've said a lot of times that for a definition, I guess, you, I'm a dispensationalist. I believe in dispensations of time. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came. That means there was a time set, and when it got that time, Jesus was born into the, brought into the earth. I believe that there's times and seasons, and I believe that God reveals things to us. I believe seasons change. They change physically. They change spiritually. And we're in another season. You know, I I was thinking as she was talking about that very thing, do you realize the time that's past is time past? Time moves forward. That's right. We're getting closer to the return of the Lord. We're not where we were 10 years ago. We're 10 years further down the road. So God the Father is revealing things to us today that he wasn't revealed to us 10 years ago because things are getting closer, and he's beginning to pour things out. And he's teaching us the power of our words. Several years ago, Carol and I read a book called Lift Up Your Jawbone, which is death and life is in the power of your tongue, and those that love it eat the fruit of it. Do you eat death or do you eat life? Joel Osteen, for all the years he's been on television, I like him, but he really, I, you know, 
But when I got this book and began to read it, and the power of I am, the power of I am, I am blessed or I am cursed? Which is it? I am blessed. God the Father, he said that I am blessed, and he said he will cause things to run me down and overtake me. He said the things I put my hands to will prosper. See, if I speak death, then what am I going to have? I'm going to have death. If I speak life, I'm going to have life. What are we speaking? Are we speaking the circumstance or are we speaking what the circumstance should be? What God called the circumstance to be. If you're always talking about your problem, if that's the seed you've always planted, if it, you know, I, listen, pastor from day one, from day one, he said, say this after me. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I will do what it says I will do. That's the Word of God. We got to learn to say it and quit agreeing with what is, but what's going to be. This is a new season. This is a new time. God, we just sang that He's opened up the gates of heaven. We sing, I am redeemed. Well, He said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am redeemed. Yes. So. Now, go ahead, love. So I got some so's for everybody today. There you go. (laughs) All right. Everybody repeat after me. I will accomplish my dreams. I will accomplish my dreams. The right people are in my future. The right people are in my future. The right opportunities are heading my way. The right opportunities are headed my way. Blessings are chasing me down. Blessings are chasing me down. I am the head and not the tail. I am the head and not the tail. I will lend and not borrow. I will lend and not borrow. I have a good personality. I have a good personality. I am well liked. I am well liked. I am fun to be around. I'm fun to be around. I enjoy life. I enjoy life. I have a positive outlook. I have a positive outlook. I will overcome every obstacle. I will overcome every obstacle. I will outlast every adversity. I will outlast every adversity. Things have shifted in my favor. Things have shifted in my favor. Do y'all believe what you're saying? Amen. What was meant for my harm, God is using for my advantage. What was meant for my harm, God is using for my advantage. My future is bright. My future is bright. My children are mighty in the land. My children are mighty in the land. My legacy will live on to inspire future generations. My legacy will live on to inspire future generations. I run with purpose in every step. With every step. My best days are still out in front of me. My best days are still out. I believe that. My greatest victories are in my future. My greatest victories are in my future. I will become everything I was created to be. I will become everything I was created to be. I will have everything God has intended for me to have. I will have everything God has intended for me to have. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so today. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so today. Amen, and so be it. Amen. Well, thank y'all for coming. Bless y'all. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, so? So. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you can. Thank you, Lord. Boy, that a preacher. You know, there's two things that I saw in the spirit before, you know, while uh, Cornell was getting us all drunk. Uh, there was, for those of you who don't know what that is, I'm not talking about naturally, I'm talking about Acts chapter 2. It says they were all filled, people thought they were drunk. Anyway, as uh, Cornell was uh, basically administering the new wine this morning, uh, I was thinking of two things. I thought, okay, Langston's got a song of the, war, song of the Lord in his spirit. And, uh, and so I didn't even intend for that to happen, but he just started singing and I knew that that was right. And then the second thing was as Miss Carol was sitting up here uh, talking, I thought to myself, what came up in my spirit was, well, glory to God, she's on it. Why don't you just let her lead everybody in the normal confession that we do? I didn't even have to say nothing. So I figured the Lord's in control this morning. Amen. We're just allowing him to do that. Amen. Amen. Turn to Galatians. I want to talk to you just uh, basically just pick up where everybody else has kind of left off this morning. Uh, this, this week I was praying didn't really have a, 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 a new series to kind of begin. We've come off of a series. We've kind of had some uh, powerful things happen. We've got some things planned for the rest of this month and in December. Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. Gifts is all, you know, you can smell the turkey and you can feel the pinch on your wallet already for all the gifts and getting all that stuff ready. And, and kind of what's been stirring up in me is to just kind of get everybody ready for the, this season. And the Lord has just really orchestrated a lot of this this morning. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians is the only letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a specific group of churches in a specific area. Now he wrote letters to churches as far as individually. But this was kind of a mass mail out letter to all the churches in the area. And there was legalism in the church. They were called Judaizers. And they were teaching, uh, they were trying to bring old wine into a new wineskin. They were trying to teach Old Testament mentality and law with the New Testament grace. Uh, they were trying to uh, establish themselves as Christians rather than allowing what has already been established in them to now be vocal in the world. And they were replacing what you'll find out, we were replacing the gospel with another gospel. Galatians chapter 1, he says this in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Everybody say different gospel. There are more than one gospels. Now, when you study this out and you look in the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all that stuff, you begin to, you find out that what he was really saying was not a different gospel of the same sort and the same type, but different altogether, meaning there's only one true gospel. This one is a counterfeit. You have a counterfeit dollar bill or counterfeit money or gold-plated money or gold. There's only one authentic, real, unique dollar bill 
Everything else that's manufactured to try to copy that is a counterfeit. It's not another dollar bill. It's just another of a sort. Not the same type, not the same power, not the same consistency, not the same authorship as this gospel. He said it is another of a different type. It's a counterfeit. It's not. He said, you, I'm, I'm marveled, he said, after three years of me being, after being with you, and now three years later, I marvel that you are turning so easily away from that gospel. And we as a church have, have, have turned away from some of these things that is the gospel. Do you know why? Oh, should I say this or not? Well, yeah, Granny Carol already opened it up. But do you know why people have such a hard time with Joel Osteen? Because he preaches the gospel. That's why. And what you'll find out is in Galatians, they were dealing with the same thing. And let me show you. Verse 7. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. We can't stand it. The enemy cannot stand it. He cannot stand that you and I have the place that he so desired in his heart to have. To be equal. to Not equal to be made and to be created in the very image and the essence of God. He was not like that. And so he is jealous and envious and bitter and resentful and angry towards us. And so he sets out to accomplish his goals and his dreams and his vision for the destruction of the church using a false, perverted gospel. But even if we or angels from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's pretty powerful language. I just remind you this is New Testament, not Old Testament. Hellfire and brimstone. No, 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 no. This is grace. We're in the law of grace. We're in the spirit of life and liberty. And he says in that dispensation... Let him who preaches any other gospel be accursed. Listen to me. The gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Why are we not preaching it? Instead of preaching the kingdom of God, what we've done as a church is we preach legalism, right and wrong. Don't do this, but do this. That's not the gospel. The gospel that Jesus preached is said, let him who follow me take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which means to turn and, and, and walk a different direction. Change your mind and begin to walk. He said, stop aligning yourself up with this gospel, which is perverted. He said, the kingdom of God is here. Follow me. Why are we not preaching that? Why, do, why have we, we, we've turned it? And what we've done is part of what Galatians has done. He said, for, I do, for do I now persuade men of God or do I speak to please men? He said, am I trying to persuade you or am I trying to please you? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of God. I mean, shoot, if, we, if I was trying to please people, I, I for certainly wouldn't be up here. Or if I was up here, I'd be watering it down a lot. People who, uh, you know, beware. Let me say it this way. Pause on the message for a second. Let's take a little rabbit trail. 
People who make it their life's ambition to destroy another person, another ministry, or another minister, stay away from them as far as you can. As if they don't have enough forest in their eyes. Well, you know, I remember Joel Osteen when he... Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Everything that he does is amplified because of his... uh, because of his celebrityness that the, that the world has created. Well, what are you doing at your bathroom at night? What are you doing at your home at night? Be, let us not, remember, let's go back to last week. Let us not judge. Why? Be careful. Be very, I won't even say be weary. Run as fast as you can from people who make it their life's ambition to destroy somebody else. Because that ain't godly, that's demonic. Play. So he said, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation. Through the revelation. Through the revelation of who? He didn't say through the revelation by Jesus Christ. He said, this revelation came to me through what? Relationship. Paul had the relational experience on the road to Damascus. He had that experience with God. And he said, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? And there Paul received the introduction to the head of the church. And the Bible says that he was blinded. Went to, Corn- went to, went to uh, Cornelius' house and, and we, we know what happened to Paul. He was drastically turned away and began to be now the forerunner, the, the, the forerunner of the New Testament faith and church. Wrote two-thirds of the book of, of the New Testament is authored by the Apostle Paul. And he said, I didn't get this revelation from man. I got it through of Jesus Christ. I began to introduce I became introduced to Jesus Christ in the revelation time. There is no revelation outside of Jesus. There is no uh, there is no revelation in the natural or the spiritual. There is nothing that man has come up with that God didn't know about. Quantum physics is not woo, God's not sitting back going, "Boy, y'all throwed me for that one. I didn't know about that." Nothing in the natural or the spiritual, comes out or from anything other than the revelation that comes by Jesus Christ. Now, hold your finger here and go to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go to the beginning and we're going to go to the end. And I'm going to show you some things because I believe it fits with what God has been doing this morning already. Getting us prepared not just to finish this year strong, but to get us ready to begin 2016 more stronger, powerfully. With a new mindset, with a new season, a new dispensation. It's a new day. Genesis chapter 2. We know God created the heavens and the earth. We know all that. We, we, we're, here, here we're coming to this. And he says in verse 8. No, you know what? Let me find it. There's one in verse 1. Thank you, Lord. 
Verse 31 of verse 1. Then God saw everything that He made, and indeed it was very good. Everybody say good. Everything that He made was good. You agree. Everybody agree. All right. He says this. He says in verse 9. He says, or verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So he created everything. Now he begins to create man and he presents a place for him. And there he put man in whom he had formed. In verse 9, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow. That is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Notice this, the tree of life was also in the midst of garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I've said this before, but I'm going to go a little deeper. You know that there were two trees in the garden. That's what it says. Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. So every tree he made was pleasant to the sight. We all agree. All right? And good for food. We believe that every tree he created was good for food. And then he, he singles this out. He says the tree of life also in the middle of the garden. And he didn't want to leave this one out. But I believe it was secondary because he listed it second. Made a point to draw out the first one. But it said and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you got the tree of life. I don't have, I don't have another stand. But let's just call this the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't know what they look like. All I know, he's made it a point to really point out this one. And this one, not so much was an afterthought, but came after. He said, look, I put it in the middle, the tree of life, and also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Are you following me? All right. So then he said, he said this. Now, then he begins to describe the rivers that go out from that garden into the four corners. And then he said, he said, so Adam, he created Adam. And he said, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Verse 15. Now, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Did he, listen to me, now think about this for a second. Never saw this, sitting there this morning and was going, Lord, are you sure you want me to? Did he say, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil just because? Or did he say, you shall not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because this is something was going to happen? He created it all good for sight. He created everything good for food, but then he says, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Was it not good for food? No, it was good for food, but it wasn't the best for food. Why did he say, you shall eat of every tree, but not of the... Because for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Drop dead? No. This is what amazes me because he says of this tree, he never said anything about this tree. We forget that. It was two trees in the middle of the garden. You're standing there looking at both of them. He said of every tree, is this part of every? Is this part of every? 
Yeah, right? Of every tree, everything's good. Everything's pleasant to the sight. I mean, you understand that sin is not fun if it wasn't fun. If it wasn't pleasant to the sight, nobody would partake of it. Right? Why do we have, why do some people have a hard time with desserts? Because they taste good. Nobody has a problem with broccoli. Oh, I'm going to tempt you with some broccoli. Even, you even put cheese on broccoli. I mean, it's good, but it ain't, I mean, it ain't homemade pecan pie good. Let's just be honest. And don't look at me sanctified like you tree bark and you drink that sap juice. You know what I'm talking about. You put some pecan pie in front of somebody, you throw all that stuff out the window because it's good, it's pleasant. Sin, in and of itself, the knowledge of good and evil is tempting. He said it was all good and pleasant. And it's all part of the tree. But he said, of every tree, did he not say every? Every tree you may partake. But of this one, you don't want to eat this one. He didn't say you couldn't eat it as in I forbid you to eat it. As in you can't because it, 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 because it's not good for you. No, no, no. He said, of every tree you may eat, but this one right here, you don't want to eat this one. Because if you eat this one, then on the day you eat it, you will surely die. All right? So, and the Lord God said it is not good. So he, okay, so he tells man, he says, listen, you got two trees. All these trees, everything is, but I, I stay away from this one. Because, and he gives him a reason. Because in the day that you eat this, you will die. Then the Bible says, and God looked at man and said, that brother's going to need some help on this one. So he created Created them both. Thank you, Lord. All the husbands said, thank you, Lord. Verse, I mean, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The enemy is looking for a foothold in our life. He's looking. So what's he going to start out with? He's going to start out with uh, a shotgun effect. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of every tree? She said, we may eat of the fruit, uh, fruit of the trees of all the garden. That's not what the Lord said. She said, that's not what God said. God said, we can eat of every tree. But of the fruit of this tree in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, Okay, I'll give you that one. But you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now listen to me. From the beginning of time, God has always given man a choice. This is the part I've never seen before. God has always given man the choice. God does not want robots. God does not want servants. He wants children. He wants people willingly and compassionately and lovingly following Him. Now, that doesn't mean that God didn't know what was going to happen. We know that. 
But we, in our, in our finite minds, we try to rationalize everything and boil it down to a point. You can't forget that and move on. Everybody in this room, we, nobody in here is God, right? We're made in His image and His light, but we're not God. All right, so don't try to bridge that gap. He knew it was going to happen, but He demonstrates it right here. We still have a choice. He said of every tree you can partake, but that tree you don't want to eat that one. Because in that, And then He gives a reason. Because when you eat that, you will surely die. You won't drop dead. The original Hebrew talks about that on that day you will die. You will begin the process of dying. One commentator said this. Um, he said... Um, he said, it was never God's intention. Dying was never intended to be a natural aspect of human beings. It came about through unbelief and rebellion against God. The dying part of us came about through unbelief and rebellion. All right, so go back to the Colossians. What is the Colossians? What are the Judaizers trying to do? They're trying to say, you don't need the tree of life. Come partake of this. Yeah, you might be born again, but you've got to be circumcised. You've, got, you've still got to follow the feast. You've still got to follow these rules. Yeah, you might be born again, Inez, but you still can't smoke, drink, or date people who do, right? You may be born again. You may have, yes, the grace and mercy of God, He loves you, and He has caused you to be born again, and you are a new creature. You are, ne- you are a being that has never existed before now, and it is wonderful, but you've got to make sure you follow these nine rules. That's what they're still trying to do. Still trying to flood the grace of God as if His grace and His mercy was not enough. God never said, you will be wise when you eat this. Satan is always trying to twist what God has said. He said that in the day you eat this, you will surely die. Satan says, no, that's not what he meant. What he meant was that you will be like him, which we knew, we know we were already like him. You cannot get no more like God unless you become God, and that ain't going to happen. We are as close to being like God as we will ever be right now in this moment because he created us in his image and in his likeness. We're as close as we can get. Satan comes to deceive you because if he can't take it away from you, he'll try to switch it out and get you to take the the, the difference of the two that's better. The tree of life is what we need to partake of. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians is exactly what he was identifying. He's saying, don't listen to them. They're lying. They're deceived. They're perverting the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the tree of life. And man has always had that choice. We will always have the choice to partake of life or partake of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did he not want them to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because we only had one mind frame of God. And that was he's our daddy. He's our father. And the only thing that clothed them was the glory of God. It was walking in light. of the, It was walking in that light and in that the, the Shekinah glory, the glory that only comes from God, walking in that glory. And the enemy was jealous. And so he presents us with a twisted alternative. And we fell for it. Now, why? I can't answer that on a theological. I don't know. That's one of the things I'm going to ask the Lord when we get what happened. I believe we can take principles. I believe we can see the enemy's tactics from day one. But this right here is a key to us living in that life. 
Do not live in this tree, but live out of this tree. We were living, they were living, they were eating possibly out of this tree. But then this one came along. Why is the knowledge, why do we, per, oh, why do we protect the innocence of our children? Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I don't care how sanctified. God forgets it, but it takes the mercy and the, and, and the wonderful grace of God and the constant renewing of your mind to help you forget what it is you and I have done in our past. Our children are protected. It's the innocence. And the enemy is always out to steal that innocence. Well, it's just rated PG-13. It's just, it, it only has a couple of cuss words in it. It only has a couple of naked scenes in it. Listen, if you have, you have small children, and as you protect them, and as you guard them, and as you begin to shelter, the people say, well, you're just sheltering your kids. You're daggum right I am. From ignoramuses like you. Not you, but I'm saying the one. I've had people say to me, I don't know why you're doing that because they're going to get exposed to it anyway. Yeah, maybe when they're 25, not when they're 7. Yes. We protect. Why do we as, as, as shepherds, why do me and Casey and Bill and Langston and Morris is not here with us? Why do we as elders, why does the Bible say, let the elders among you in 1 Peter shepherd the flock? Why do we desire to protect you? Because once you see it, once you hear it, you can't unsee it and you can't unhear it. So we take great strides to protect you as the body. We don't just let anybody and everybody grab the mic. Of the knowledge of the tree of good news. We don't just let anybody, you know, fly. I get calls all the time. Hey, Pastor Tom, as if they know me. Hey, Pastor Lawrence, we're going to be in your area. We want to know if you'd be open for us to come share your word. And I told them, listen, I'm sorry. I don't know you. Send me some tapes, CDs, MP3s, whatever. Send it to me. If I don't know I know if I don't know you and they don't know you, you the body ain't going to know you. Why? Because we, we want to protect. We want to guard. The enemy is always trying to steal our innocence. And what happened? Jesus, I mean, God came down and he said, where are you? The first thing that happens when we, when we partake of that, when we, when, we initiate, when we sin, when we step into that place, when we partake, not of the tree of the, of the life, but we partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what happens? Shame and we hide. The enemy is trying to pervert and has done a good job at perverting the gospel. What you and I believe about ourselves and we declare out of our mouth is the gospel. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is not in word and in deed, but is in power. It is in the righteousness. It is joy in the Holy Spirit. And the enemy is going to try to get you and me to pervert what we say so that we come back in alignment with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can have a knowledge that there are bad things out there but not have the actual knowledge of it. Um, one, there is a man that has spoken to my life for years and he is probably one of the most sanctified men that I know of. 
And I know for a fact that there are certain things that he has never seen or never partaken of. And as a result, it has allowed him to live uh, uh, not having to battle certain things in his mind that other men and other women have had to battle. Now the grace and mercy of God is there and it extends to us and it covers us and we are able to walk in newness of life. I'm not talking about post-salvation, post-anointing, post-grace. I'm talking about pre-grace. God's intent for us was never to have to go through all of this. His intent were us to live in that garden forever, but we sin. And so the Bible says that God from the foundation of the earth presented Jesus and got it ready so that he could get his kids back the way he wanted them, the way he had designed it to begin with. Galatians chapter 3, go back to Galatians. You know what, before we go there, go to Revelation. I want you to go to the last book in your Bible, Revelation, and the last chapter. I want to show you something. From cover to cover. Everybody say cover to cover. Cover to cover. Revelations chapter 22. You ready? Verse 2, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 2, In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life. From cover to cover. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. People that are looking for healing, people that need healing, will never get healing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're never going to get healed by doing just enough. You're never going to get healed by saying just enough of the right scriptures. You're never going to get healed by standing on God's word in a works mentality. You are never going to get healed if you work it. And at the end of the day when you get healed, you stand up and say, I'm healed because I did it. You're never going to receive healing from that tree. You're only going to receive healing because guess what? Jesus has already provided it. I'm going to say something that may shock you. So I want you to, to take it in with a grain of salt. I want you to meditate on it. And then I want you to read and study it out for yourselves. God has done everything He is going to do for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you and I pray, we should pray God's Word. Now, if you're sick and you need healing, you need to understand that that healing has already been provided and paid for and it's got your name on it. So when you and I pray, Lord, heal me, we're not praying in alignment with God's Word. What we're doing is, once again, we're trying to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, I just pray that you heal this person. 1 Peter 2.24 Somebody in here, this is for you, because this is not in my notes. 1 Peter 2, 24. 
who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you what? When he looked at the woman with the issue of blood, and this is pre this is pre-cross. This is pre the ship, the blood, the shedding of Jesus' blood and the stripes upon his back. He looked at the woman with the issue of blood and he said, Your faith has made you whole. Do not pray, God heal me. That's like praying, God save me. No, he's already saved us. We just have to partake of that salvation. He said, if anyone comes to me, if anyone comes to me, Paul said to the, to the jailer, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's activating what God has already done. Listen to me, I'm going to say that again. When you get born again, you don't say, Lord, I want to be saved. What do you say? You say, you know what? What do you repent from? Repent means to change your mind. Somebody preaches the gospel and you say, that's, you know what, well, that's right. Lord, I receive you and I declare that you are Lord of my life. And at that moment, you have now accessed the benefit of that cross. It's already done. There's nothing else that he's going to do for the church. Jesus said, the key, he said, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth. I got the keys right here. He has no power. I've locked him, I locked him out of house and home. He has no power. And he turned to the disciples and he said, now you go in my name. But we, we, we come along and we, we're still hearing the perversion of the gospel. The same perversion of the gospel that Paul combats in this letter, talking about Galatians, keeps appearing in various forms. Legalism, which teaches that justification or sanctification depends upon a person's own efforts. Thus, denying the sufficiency of the cross is the most persistent enemy of the gospel of grace. Well, you know, if you're going to get healed, you got to... No. There's difference between wisdom and healing. There's a difference between provision being made. The provision has been made for folks to live a life with Jesus. But why don't they partake of it? Because the enemy of grace is always out there trying to get you and I to believe that we still got to do something or we ain't done something to deserve what God has already done. And that's the perversion of the gospel. And Paul was saying, what are you talking about? You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to abide by these things. Why are you turning away so easily from this gospel? Because that's what the enemy wants. Circumcision and other requirements of the Mosaic law may no longer be issues pertaining to salvation, but oftentimes the observance of certain rules, regulations, or religious rites is made coordinate with faith in Christ as the condition of Christian maturity. Galatians clearly declares the perils of legalism and establishes the essential truth of salvation by faith alone. You and I are coming into a season of celebration, of thanksgiving, of Christmas. We're going to celebrate the greatest gift that God has ever given man. And I want you and I to be careful and be on guard for this right here. 
that the enemy is still trying to pervert. I was at a funeral yesterday of uh, an older friend of mine that spoke into my life, and, and we, we, have not, we hadn't talked in a couple of years, and he had gotten really sick, and we didn't, we didn't realize he had gotten this sick, and he was gone, just like that. And I went to the funeral, and, uh, and I heard from the daughter, and she said to me, she said, if one more Christian person comes up to me and says some kind of Christian statement, she said, I think I'm just going to lose it. And I said, and I'll just call her Jennifer, that's how I am. But I said, I said Jennifer, you're just going to have to let it go in one ear and out the other because they don't know. People don't know. Well, bless it. He's in a better place. Nobody wants to hear that right now. They're mourning. They're grieving. They want to know that someone's there. See, the Bible says that he is affectionate towards us because he, has, he, has, uh, he sympathizes with us. How does he do that? Because Jesus felt that. It says that Jesus wept. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He sympathizes with us. But here we go, perverting the gospel. Here we go, trying to twist it and make it because we, because legalism, because the enemy doesn't like it. Now go to Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to wind it down. Romans chapter 8. Be careful. We are stepping in to a whole new realm, and I'm telling you that the onslaught is against the gospel of grace. There is nothing that you can do in and of yourself to make you more or less valuable to God. He has paid the highest price for you and me that we can pay, even while we were still sinners. So that's not even an issue. But the enemy knows that. And the greatest battle that we will face is trying to get legalism out of the church. It, it, it just is what it is. Well, if you're going to join, if you're going to be a kingdom, if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, you're going to have to quit that. No. Bring it. And God, through the regeneration work of what He's fixing to do, will cause that thing to die to you. Bring your junk car <laughs> to the mechanic and let him do the work. Don't try to fix it yourself because you don't know what you're doing. I've done that. There's certain things that I can do, and there's certain things that I ain't going to try to. I've walked into Kevin's shop. Wait, raise your hand, Kevin. Really master mechanic. I've walked into his shop, and I've seen four cars completely and totally disassembled. I'm not just talking about disassembled. I'm talking about the cab of the truck in the air and the rest of the engine and parts everywhere, and I go, man, that is all you, brother. I call you anointed because I would not even try to do that. But in our life, as, and churches and preachers have preached, well, you got to get yourself fixed before you come to church. No, this is the place for that. I want leaky, oily, non-running, flat-tire automobiles all over this place. Because if you're going to get fixed, you need to come see the master mechanic. We work for the master mechanic. And all we're trying to do is get you back on the road, going where God's called you. Don't try to fix it. You, you don't know what you're doing. You think it's one problem, but really it's this other problem, and it's cheaper to fix it this way, but you're going to mess it all up. And so that what happens? That's a great analogy. So what happens? You end up trying to fix it, and you make it worse. If you would just bring, you know what? Maybe you've done that, and you can't fix it. All right, then hire a U-Haul trailer. 
Load your car up on the trailer and bring the box with all the parts to the master mechanic and we will help you put that thing back together. That's the gospel. But what they were trying to do in Galatians was trying to pervert it. Now, Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 7, he starts talking about how the law cannot save us from sin. The law cannot save a man. He said, when the law revived in Paul, he said in chapter 7, when the law came, when I noticed the law, when I partook of the law, of the knowledge of good and evil, when I partook of that tree, sin revived in me and I died. Romans chapter 8. He said, what, 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 what can I do? He said in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now the second part of that verse is not in the original manuscript. Some of you have heard that, some of you aren't. I want you to take it. If you want to, blot it out. It is not in the original manuscript. And most every commentator, most every scholar I have studied will tell you that the original scholars put that in the, to, to, in the translation so it made it easier for them to understand. God don't need no help. Everybody say, God don't need no help. Do you know why? Because once again, the law of grace transcends our understanding. We can't understand it. We can't take credit for it. We don't want it in there. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's it. Now, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of what? In who? Has made me free from the law of sin and death. That tree is not where the life is. It's this tree. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who what? Who what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The translators took that part and slapped it way up on verse 1 because they wanted to make it. No, no, no. Leave that out and you'll understand the progression that Paul was teaching. He said, listen, he said the righteous requirements of the law were fulfilled in us. How? Because God did it. I'm going to back it up. We're going to read this backwards. The righteous requirements of the law, okay, say it this way. We walk according to the flesh, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. How do we do that? Because the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in us. How did that happen? Verse 3. For what the law could not do, God did by sending His Son. He sent His Son to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. How did, why did He do that? Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. How did that happen? Because there's now no, foreign, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We walk with no condemnation from our Father. Well, you don't know. I mean, I, I messed up. I mean, the Galatians said, well, you, you know, we're trying to do all that. He said, no, forget all that. You're trying to come to God on the basis of works and not on the tree of life. And that's never going to work. He said, who has bewitched you? Because it is witchcraft. When you try to manipulate, manipulation is the highest form of witchcraft. Witchcraft is a uh, counterfeit of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the power of God, is, is, is the power that changes people's lives. And witchcraft twists that and tries to present it 
as what it is not. And in order to do that, you have to manipulate. You have to take what God has said and you have to... That's what God really said. And that's not the truth. You and I are able to live this life and read this word and walk with Jesus because of the Spirit of God within you, not because of my ability as a preacher to preach to you. Your ability to live a sanctified life is not determinant only on my ability to persuade you, but rather your ability to receive what God desires to speak to you. Our ability to infect this world and infect the world for change and to bring people into this knowledge has absolutely nothing to do with our abilities but rather His ability through our abilities that we allow Him to function through. And circumcision or don't do this or do this is nothing more than a perversion. Listen, God has freed you. You are all that God has created you to be. Now just let Him work all that out of you. You are not trying to get... Listen, some of the best musicians in the world are some of the, I mean, rankest heathens. I'm just using the world's language. I mean, you know, Christian language. I cannot believe that person saying that. That's of the devil. Where do you think that gift came from? It came from God. He is not a respecter of persons. He is not an Indian giver, so that's what we did to the Indian. He didn't give it and then take it back. No, he put it in your life and you will either prophesy for the kingdom of heaven or you will prophesy for the kingdom of destruction. You will either play your instrument for the kingdom of God or you will play it for your own self-gratification. And I am amazed at the number of people that are talented musicians that have the gift of God and you can, oh, how can I say this? You can sense the anointing. You can sense it all over. And they won't say one word about God. They won't say one word about church. But you can tangibly sense the anointing on their life. And you can tangibly sense those who are not anointed but who have great record producers and can make your voice sound great. The people that have the greatest talent are the ones that have that anointing. And you sense that anointing, but they're not using it for God. And so it's limited in its ability. And the enemy has perverted it. And so it, they will round people up for themselves and win all kind of awards, but never step into everything that God has for them because the enemy wants to pervert it. You have everything in you. He said to the Galatians, He said, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Well, I don't feel free. That's because you need to begin to declare it. Because what we don't know, we can't speak. And what we can't speak, we can't affect change in. And what we can't affect change in, we live in bondage. And He said, Don't let these Judaizers put you in no more bondage. You have been made free. Don't turn away from the gospel of the kingdom of God who says, in whom I've set free, I've set free. You can't add to the freedom that God has given us. Whom the Son has set free. If there's some secret key that we've got to unlock in order to receive our healing, no, 
We just say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know it. But I'm not healed because of the amount of scripture that I can quote. And I'm not healed because of the good life I've done. I'm healed because when I was in my deadest sinful nature, your son said, I want him. Now let me give you a few keys and then we're going to dismiss. A few keys. What are some keys that you can live by to partake of the tree of life? You ready? Romans chapter 8, we're already there. Verse 5. So he just got done telling us all the things that we partake in. This is what Jesus has done. Notice that he tells you who you are and what you can live in. Then he tells you how you can stay in there. He, he gives it to us. He sets us in the Garden of Eden from cover to cover. Everybody say cover to cover. He sets us in the garden and says, I've prepared this place for you. And I'm setting you here. Now tend to it. And I'm going to let you name all the animals. And of all this stuff that you do, whatever you do, partake of this. But don't partake of this. He's provided everything. See, every other religion requires us to do something to attain God's love and affection and approval. Christianity, you don't have to do nothing. You don't even have to accept Him. And He still loves you. It says that God wishes that none should perish. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Ding, 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 ding. Key number one. Set your mind. You ready? But those who live according to the Spirit... The things of the Spirit. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will walk in line with that right there. If you set your mind on, uh, I, 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 should, I don't need to do this, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, I shouldn't do that. You set your mind on those things, that's the things that you'll fulfill. But if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, and you say, you know what, God has created, I am a new creature in Christ, bless God. I am not the old that I used to be. I ran into some, some guys that I used to work with 15 years ago. We've been married 11 years. We dated, we're 12, yeah, 13, 13 years ago. At 12 and 13 years ago, I worked with these guys for two years, and I ran into some of them, and they said something, and the enemy was like, uh-huh, yeah, you remember that, and I go, and it took me a few minutes, but I said, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. That's who they are. And if they'd wake up and smell the roses, they could come over to the green pastures. That's not who I am. I'm not who I was yesterday. I'm not who I was five minutes ago. I determine and am determining in my heart to walk and to live this out. We uh, our family determined that we want to live this out. We don't want to be uh, cookie-cutter Christians. We don't want to do that. We want to be what God has called us to be. And in order to do that, you and I are going to have to make some sacrifices in this world that has provided a plethora of opportunities for us to entertain ourselves with. We're going to have to make a choice, a decision to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Joel Osteen said that his daddy would walk around all the time and would be singing or would be praying 
And he'd say, Daddy, what are you doing? He said, I'm just singing joy in my heart, son. I'm just declaring what God has said to me. I'm just, we think if, you, if the enemy can keep you in the realm of your, of your mind, he will whip you every time. But if you and I can keep him in the realm of the spirit and speak in life and in the realm of this word, we'll whip him every time. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're looking for that life and that peace in your life, you're going to have to change the way you're thinking. You can't change the way you speak till you change the way you think. And you can't change the way you think till you meditate on it. I'm astonished at the amount of people who try to do life without this. I, I, this is my third Bible of this kind of Bible. And I want my other Bible that's tore half up. I, I want it because I got everything highlighted and all my little things. Everything, because I want more. I want this to be more a part of my life. And I fall short just like everybody else does. But I'm telling you, you can't, if you don't read this, if you don't study, if this doesn't give you life, then you're reading it wrong. You're studying it wrong. Read it as Jesus intended for us. Read it as a letter. Dear Langston, there is no condemnation to Langston. There is no condemnation to Pat. There is no condemnation to Ryan. There is no condemnation to, to Kevin. There is no condemnation to Cornell. Be careful, don't be letting everybody drink that early in the service. Cornell, come on. There is no condemnation. Read this as a letter to yourself. So then those who are, of the flesh, who, who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you ready? I'm saying this to you, this dear member of the body of Christ. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. The body is dead. The body is dead because of sin. But if the Spirit of life is in you because of righteousness, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit. The very answer to the thing that the enemy deceived her and deceives us with is the very answer that's in Christ. It is in this. You want power to not partake of that. It's in here. He said the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, has raised us up. Quicken, he will quicken our mortal bodies. Life, life is not in what you eat or what you drink. That's part of it, but that's not where the life is. The life is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You can get a... You can cheat in the natural and still live a long life if you stay right here. I've seen it. Now, it will catch up with you because we, you know, the body, our bodies are temple of the living God, of the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. Your life is in this. It's in this. Stand with me. God, this is such good news. This news is so good news to us. You know, we were, we've been going through a period of rest in our home. 
I can't explain it. All I know is that we've just been in a state of rest. And in that state of rest, I would find myself getting restless. I would. I would you know, your bodies are designed to tell you what you need. God has created it. Wouldn't you agree? Your bodies are designed that God's created it to tell you what you need. And my body, our bodies, was telling us to rest. Rest. There's a season of rest. There's, he gives his beloved rest. But I was fighting it. I was restless because the world tells you that if you do that, you're lazy. To this day, uh, many cultures create, consider Jewish people lazy because they honor the Sabbath. But they still here. And they've got more money than anybody else. So there must be a key somewhere, somehow. And what I'm telling you is that the Spirit of the Lord will come and He will give you life because it's not about what you do. It's about obedience. That when He tells you to go, you go. When He tells you to slow down, you slow down. When He tells you to stop, you stop. When He tells you to give, you give. When He tells you to sleep, you sleep. I mean, I'm wondering how refreshed and how better we would be for the kingdom of God if we just obeyed the Spirit of God within us. Last night, I put myself under a tremendous amount of pressure. I always do on Saturday night. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta go over my notes. I got to look at them because, you know, Sunday's coming. I got to be ready. You know, I got to be prepared. And so we just had a, a very relaxing, restful evening. And at 8 o'clock, we were laying down in the bed, and, you know, she's doing her Pinterest thing, looking at houses and all that stuff. And I'm just laying there, and I said, I'm just going to lay down for a minute. I'm going to take a little 30-minute nap, 20-minute nap. I said, wake me up at 8.30, right? At 10.30, I woke up, and I'm going, what? She, she didn't wake me up. What happened? And I leaned over, and she's passed out. And so... I checked my heart, and I said, Lord, what do, I, what do I do? And he said, just rest. I got you. I said, okay. So I rested, went back to sleep. And I set my alarm for 5 o'clock. And at 4.45, I woke up, like, refreshed. I was ready. I had a Casey Spearman moment. You know, I woke up, at five, I woke up before 5 o'clock. Boy, I was ready to take the world. And I got my laptop, and I went in there, and I just began to just worship and honor the Lord. And he began to rest. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that the tree of life, your life, in Christ, through Christ, without our effort, without our abilities, is able to do in us all the things that we desire and, and that the world tells us that we need done or that religion tells us we need done. And everything is, is, is done through that life and in that place. So Lord, I just thank you for that right now. I just thank you for that right now. The gospel is not to be perverted, is not to be altered. It is the gospel of peace. It is the gospel of truth. It is the gospel 
of good news. That while we were in that state, that Christ died for us regardless. And so I just declare that over every person here today, this morning. That as we enter into the season of Thanksgiving, as we enter into the season of Christmas and the hustle and bustle and everything begins to take place, we take a step back and we identify, wait a minute, this ain't got nothing to do. It ain't all up to me. It's up to you, Lord. And so I just rest in you and I take that step every day to live out of the tree of life. Say that with me. I determine to live my life out of the tree of life. And I'm going to take a breath. And I'm going to take a step back. And I'm going to relax. And I'm going to act as if the word is true. And that God has got me. When I need to step, He'll tell me to step. When I need to stop, He'll tell me to stop. Somebody say, Lord, tell that preacher to stop. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Miss Carol, you was on a roll this morning. Why don't you just come on up and dismiss us? How about that? Speak. Bring your honey, too. I was just going to say you, but hey, bring him along, too. We praise you. We love you. Thank you for your word that's truth. And Father, we just bless each and every one that's here in your name. Your word's been spoken here today. And Father, I just ask you to just let those be seeds in all of our hearts that we will take them and we will begin to believe them and speak them over our life and over our family's life and all those that you would send us to. And, Father, we just ask you to bless our day, bless our time together with each other. And, Father, we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.